Welcome to Your Catholic Corner. I'm your show host, Julie South. Your Catholic Corner helps Catholics spiritually prepare for each Sunday's Mass, starting on Thursday each week. You can listen to Your Catholic Corner at yourcatholiccorner.com. If you want to follow along with me, you can do this at yourcatholiccorner.com. Today, we're uncovering the biblical gems hidden in the book from or of the prophet Ezekiel, Paul's letter to the Romans, and Matthew's gospel here in the or on the getting ready for the 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time in Year A. But before that, a quick word about your Catholic corner, just in case this is your first time here. Regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you've only just heard of that man called Jesus, you're new to Catholicism, or you're a cradle Catholic, my prayer is that your Catholic corner will help bring God's Word to life in your heart through insights, reflections, and practical applications that help deepen your relationship with God. Every Thursday, we'll start preparing for Mass by uncovering the richness hidden in each Sunday's Bible readings, from Old Testament prophecies to Gospel parables. I invite you to join me and the parishioners of the Cathedral of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Hamilton, New Zealand, sponsors of Your Catholic Corner, so that together we can hear God's Word and echo Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now, let's get back to today's show. Remember, when two or more are gathered in his name, like we are now, with you and me, Jesus is here with us. Peace be with you. This Sunday's Bible readings are from Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 7 through 9, Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, and Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. We'll start with a top-level overview of each reading so you can have some historical context of what was going on in the world at that time. Then the readings, and then we'll finish with my personal reflections. If you want to read along with me when we get to that point, then visit yourcatholiccorner.com and click on the Sunday Readings page. Ezekiel was a prophet who lived during the Babylonian exile of the Israelites in the 6th century BC. At that time, the Babylonians had captured Jerusalem. Many Israelites were in exile in Babylon. Ezekiel was among them. He was one of them in exile, and that's when he began his prophetic ministry. Today's readings from Ezekiel chapter 33 verses 7, 8, and 9, specifically address Ezekiel's role as a sentry, or a watchman, or a sentinel, depending on your Bible's translation, for the house of Israel. We hear Ezekiel being told by God that he had a responsibility to warn the Israelites to shape up over their sinful behavior. And then, but wait, there's more, and then the consequences they'd face if they didn't do as God wanted and repented. 
God then told, or at the same time, told Ezekiel that if he failed to actually deliver God's messages, then God would hold him, Ezekiel, accountable. This period, no pressure or anything, Ezekiel, this period of the Babylonian exile was one of great hardship. There was lots of suffering, upset and turmoil for the Israelites. Ezekiel's prophecies include messages about judgment, warning and hope for the exiled Israelites. Today's readings put, or today's reading, singular, puts emphasis on the importance of a prophet's role in delivering God's message to the people and then the consequences of failing to do so. Overall, life in the 6th century BC Babylon included times of political change and conquest. There were periods and places of fantastic grandeur and amazing cultural achievements. All of that led Babylon to be a major player in the ancient world. The city of Babylon was one of the most prominent cities at that time. Located in Mesopotamia, in what's now modern-day Iraq, it served as the capital of the Neo-Babylonian Empire under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar II. Babylon was a thriving populous urban centre. It was known for its impressive architecture, including the famous Ishtar Gate, and you've probably heard of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which, as you probably already know, are considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Agriculture was an important part of the economy. Mesopotamia had fertile lands, so therefore cropping played a significant role in the economy there. And we're talking about grains, vegetables and fruits. Now, because the Euphrates River flowed through Babylon, irrigation was on hand to keep the economy and the agriculture going. As a city, it was strategically located along trade routes and then it became, or thus making it, a hub for commerce. Babylon traded with neighbouring regions and other civilizations, including Persia and other places in the Mediterranean. As you can imagine, with this trade and commerce taking place, Babylon was a wealthy and a culturally important city. At that time, which is one of the things that Ezekiel struggled with, Babylonians were polytheistic. In other words, they had many gods. There were many different types of temples and religious rituals taking place, sometimes daily. When it came to law, they were right into what was right and wrong. The famous Code of Hammurabi, you may have heard of that, is one of the earliest known legal codes, and it had its origins in Babylon. Established by King Hammurabi, it established a system of around 282 laws and punishments that governed many aspects, if not all, of Babylonian society. This is where the, the Code of Hammurabi is where principles like an eye for an eye originated. Also, before, during and after Ezekiel, there was much conquest and conflict going on. 
Babylon was conquered by the Assyrians in the late 7th century BC. Later though, the Babylonians regained their independence under Nebuchadnezzar II. After that though, in 586 BC, it fell to the Persian Empire, led by Cyrus the Great, which marked the end of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. The societal structure at the time was very hierarchical. At the top of the pecking order was the king. Below him were nobles, priests and bureaucrats. As you can imagine, with such ancient hierarchy, slavery was prevalent and not always pleasant. Now let's have a look at what Paul, St. Paul, was saying with his letter to the Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Paul's writing about the fulfillment of God's law of or through love. He's emphasizing that loving our neighbor as ourselves is the ultimate fulfillment of all the commandments. Here, he's underscoring, or today, he's underscoring the idea that love should guide all our interactions with others and should be the driving force behind both our actions and our relationships with everyone. Paul's talking about love as a central theme because he wants to emphasize the role of love in fulfilling God's law and living a righteous life as a citizen. He was addressing Roman Christians at the time, providing them with guidance on how to live as followers of Jesus Christ. He wanted to show them a broader context of their societal and moral responsibilities and obligations. That's some top-level context. Now let's break down today's readings a bit, a little bit more or today's reading with Paul's letter to the Romans a little bit more. Paul kicks off by stating that the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Here, he's arguing that all of the commandments in the law, especially those related to how we treat each other, can be summed up in the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Here he's highlighting the idea that love is the foundation on which all moral and ethical behaviors should be built. He also goes on to explain that love does no harm to a neighbor and because of this, therefore, the law is fulfilled. Love isn't about self-interest but about seeking the well-being of others. When we live in love, we naturally refrain, we naturally stop ourselves from actions that harm others or violate the moral principles of the law. Paul provides a positive and an ethical guideline for those Roman Christians. Instead of focusing solely on what not to do, that's with all the thou shouts, thou shalt nots, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Paul instead emphasizes the positive command to love. 
Because of this, when we humans genuinely love other humans, it means we're naturally refraining, stopping from doing negative things like stealing, like committing adultery, bearing false witness, and coveting. Those are all the commandments that are harmful to others and therefore are violations of God's commandments. As well as this, Paul's message about love encourages the Roman Christians to live in harmony with one another and to be good neighbours to those around them. This reinforces the idea that Christian faith should manifest itself, should display itself, should witness in practical love and care for others within the Christian community and in our societies at large. In a way, this ties in with Ezekiel's reading as well. God is instructing Ezekiel to hold the Babylonians to account out of his love for them. Today, Paul's talking about love to stress that that love is the guiding principle that fulfills the moral and the ethical requirements of the law. He wanted to encourage the Roman Christians to live in love, treating others with kindness and compassion, compassion, and thus fulfill their Christian and their moral, their moral duties. Now let's look at the third and final reading for today from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. We are reading from chapter 18, verses 15, 1, 5 through 20. Today we have Jesus talking about conflict resolution, probably as no one has ever talked about it before, unless you go to church and you listen to this reading or you've read this before. He, Jesus, lays out a three-step process for dealing with conflict. The first step, he says, if someone sins against you, Jesus advises approaching that person privately to address the issue. The goal is to have reconciliation and to win the person over. Step two, if step one doesn't work, Jesus then suggests involving one or two others as witnesses. Their presence is meant to help mediate the dispute and encourage resolution. And step three is comes into play if steps one and two don't work and the person still refuses to listen and reconcile. Then Jesus suggests the matter be brought before the entire church community for resolution. Today, he, Jesus, refers again to binding and loosing. We covered this last week, so you might like to go back and listen to that episode as well, which is the 22nd week in ordinary time. Today, Jesus is talking about the authority of the church community in matters of discipline and reconciliation, an authority that has been granted by God. Jesus also talks about the power of agreement in prayer among believers and, because of prayer, therefore God's presence is among them, among us, you and me as well. Now, is there any connection between our first readings today from the prophet Ezekiel and our gospel reading? Let's have a look-see. Remember that Ezekiel was responsible for warning and guiding the Israelites spiritually. In a way, Matthew's recount is similar. 
He's sharing with us how Jesus, in other words, God, would like us to handle conflicts and therefore have unity with our friends, neighbours and community. The tie-in between these two passages lies in the concept of community responsibility and accountability. In both cases, individuals within the community, within our community, have a duty to look out for each other's well-being. Whether it's in matters of spiritual guidance, which is what Ezekiel was going on about, or conflict resolution, which is according to Matthew. Both passages emphasize the importance of addressing issues within the community in a way that promotes reconciliation righteousness. When we do this, we are honoring and we're glorifying God. Now, let's pray together by reading today's passages. Remember that if you do want to follow along with me visually, visit yourcatholiccorner.com and click on today's episode. The readings are there. They're written out for you. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord was addressed to me as follows. Son of man, I have appointed you as sentry to the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, warn them in my name. If I say to a wicked man, wicked wretch, you are to die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked man to renounce his ways, then he shall die for his sin, but I will hold you responsible for his death. If, however, you do warn a wicked man to renounce his ways and repent, and he does not repent, then he shall die for his sin, but you yourself will have saved your life. The Word of the Lord A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans Avoid getting into debt, except the debt of mutual love. If you love your fellow men, you have carried out your obligations. All the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and so on, are summed up in this single command. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the one thing that cannot hurt your neighbor. That is why it is the answer to every one of the commandments. The Word of the Lord A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother does something wrong, go and have it out with him alone, between your two selves. If he listens to you, you have won back your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. The evidence of two or three witnesses is required to sustain any change. But if he refuses to listen to these, report it to the community. And if he refuses to listen to the community, treat him like a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you solemnly, whatever you bind on earth shall be considered bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be considered loosed in heaven. 
I tell you solemnly once again, if two of you on earth agree to ask anything at all, it will be granted to you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three meet in my name, I shall be there with them. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, so you might be thinking that's all well and good, Julie, but so what? How can we use these ancient principles to live in the 21st century? Let's have a look. Starting off with Ezekiel. What if we applied the concept of being, watch people, for other people's spiritual well-being by taking responsibility for our faith community? How? perhaps by stepping up and offering guidance and support to help others live in alignment with their spiritual values and beliefs. How about if we each sought and encouraged repentance and offered forgiveness to those who have gone astray? I think the best person we can do this with is for ourselves first. Let us forgive rather than telling someone else they need to forgive. Keep in mind that it's impossible to see properly when we have a plank in our own eye while we are or when we are nagging people to do something about the splinters in theirs. If that's all foreign language to you, check out Matthew chapter 7 verses 3 through 5. When we can extend grace, forgiveness and reconciliation in our own lives, It will then flow on and out through our relationships and our communities. And according to St. Paul with his letter to the Romans, love will never go out of date as a North Star, a guiding principle. Love is universal and enduring, and it's a principle that we need to use to guide all of our interactions with other people. Imagine a world where we all treated everyone, regardless of race, colour, creed, religion, with kindness, compassion and respect. That we always looked for how we were similar to others than how we were different. So that's love. And then in Matthew, we have a whole new and somewhat radical way of resolving conflict. Mediation and arbitration are today's somewhat equivalent of inviting the communities that Jesus was talking about in step three, when steps one and two are ignored or don't work. What about having community accountability? This happens when we actively participate in the life of our communities. Communities at work, at home, in sports teams, extended families, church communities, big communities, little communities. If we were to address issues openly and lovingly and work towards unity and peace, our world would be a much less hostile place to live. So today, what we have going on in today's Bible readings is encouragement for us to live our lives with a sense of responsibility, accountability, and love towards one another. These 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time readings emphasize the importance of love as our guiding principle, as our North Star, both in our relationships and in fulfilling our moral and our ethical obligations. 
when we apply these principles, we're able to navigate, I didn't say it would be easy, we're able to navigate challenges, conflicts, and spiritual growth in a way that glorifies God. Thank you for spending the last 20 or so minutes of your life with God and me today. Wherever you are, I pray that love, forgiveness and reconciliation are alive in your heart so you don't need to go seeking arbitrators to mediate for you. I pray that love is the center of your universe and that loving is easy and full of joy for you. I also pray that you'll be able to echo Samuel's words and say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And finally, with thanks to the parishioners of the Cathedral of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Hamilton, who helped me bring this podcast to you today, I pray also that you're able to rely on God's strength and guidance, even in difficult times. This is Julie signing off. God bless. Peace be with you.